It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris, and we're backstage at Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee, for a very special interview that we've worked really hard to uh, prepare for and to get for you guys something that honestly means a whole lot to all three of us. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to throw it to Chris real quick. He's going to introduce Kate and our guest co-host to set all of this up, and then we're going to have a uh, what we think is going to be a really cool interview. So Chris? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, yeah, you've probably heard the Kate with us before. He's been on a couple of these podcasts. And so the way this happened is we recently found out that our guest is going to be at the Rockin' Pod Expo that we go to every year. And so when Caden found this out, he immediately starts texting. He's like, hey, can I, can I get, jump in with you guys? Can I, can I interview with you guys, please? And so I said, man, we probably only get about 15 minutes. I'm going to set this out. I know how much it means to you. And so Caden just said, well, they're playing Memphis. Let me see if I can get them on. So to Caden's credit, man, he pulled it off. So Caden gets the honor, really, of running this. It's his deal. And I'm going to turn this over to Kate and let him introduce our guest. Kate, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Chris and David. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you guys for another episode of Digital Killed the Radio Star. Um, uh, honestly, this is, uh, th- this is a tough one for me to actually be able to piece together the, 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 the words to express what an honor it is. Uh, and more importantly, how, how meaningful it is to me personally to be able to join you guys and sit down for an in-depth discussion with our guest today. Um, I've been a, a, a lifelong and diehard fan of this band since I was turned on to them when I was 11 years old in 1988. How old are you now? 40? Uh, 40, 42. Wow. 42. <laughs> 42. Uh, 42. <laughs> Formed in Whittier, California in 1983 by brothers Robert and Michael Sweet, Striper has blazed a path across their 35-year career that very few other bands have accomplished. They were pioneers of the hard rock and metal scene of the early 80s, setting themselves apart from their contemporaries with their Christian faith and bold message which yielded numerous gold and platinum records and total album sales exceeding 10 million units worldwide. Michael Sweet has served as the lead singer, primary songwriter, producer, and guitarist throughout the band's career while also sustaining a successful solo career since 1994. Robert Sweet's thunderous drumming style and unique visual approach along with Perry Richardson holding down the low end provides the backbone that complements the dual guitar attack of Oz Fox and Michael Sweet, creating a unique sound that has set themselves apart throughout their career. 
despite the fact that I've just given them one, this band truly requires no introduction. Please welcome to Digital Killed the Radio Star, Striper. Thanks so much hey for guys. joining us, guys. Hey, great to be much. here. It's an honor to be here. Very, Thank you. very kind words there, man, and uh, a, a lot in that, man. Wow, powerful yeah. stuff. So glad to hear that we've had a, a, an effect on your life, you know, in a positive way. Like Absolutely, that. crazy. Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's been a long run for you guys for sure. I tell yeah. you, this is this is exciting. I mean. We're sitting backstage at Graceland right now. I know. Uh, you know, I, it is for us too. Believe me, we're big Elvis fans. So. I mean, you guys are playing the soundstage tonight yeah. on the premise at Graceland. You guys all grew up Elvis fans. I know oh, yeah. Robert, and Michael, your whole family was just Elvis nuts. What does this mean yeah. to you guys? Absolutely. You know, you said you saw us at eleven. Michael was eleven, and I was fourteen when we saw Elvis the first time at the Forum for us. So, um, isn't that unique? We we saw him at uh, the Forum. And uh, it just so happens that later on in life, we found out that that was the same night that Led Zeppelin was there right. meeting oh, wow. him, which is really kind of cool. But uh, yeah, we were there, man, and little kids, but still in awe and just kind of blown away by the experience. And the fact that we got to see Elvis live in this lifetime is pretty cool. Sure, sure. And I know your, I know your parents, I mean, your dad even released an album yep. called Memphis Blue Street. He sure did. I mean, talk about maybe a little bit, if you would, some of the early days when you guys were piddling around with instruments with your oh, parents. Man. Well, our parents are songwriters and, and performers, and uh, our grandparents were songwriters and performers. Uh, our cousins and, you know, uh, our uh, mom, grandmother, and aunt used to be the trio for the traveling live gun smoke shows throughout the country. I think mom was like 17 years old. Yep. Uh, and uh, so she married my dad, and he was a performer. He looked like Elvis sound like Elvis and played all over town and whatnot and, and, and did really well. So we were kind of raised in that, you know, when we were born, you know, they were off gigging. Sure. We had babysitters and we knew music only and it was in our DNA. Um, and, you know, it turned into one of those things where we took uh, took heart and soul and, and wanted, to, wanted to go down that path, started going to his sessions, started playing on his sessions. We're on this album, you know, and, uh, it dates back. I'm not sure how far back. But. So I, it looked. It, it looks like the the song that you guys played on was 1979. There you so go. So safe to say this is the first recording for for the Sweet Brothers. Not the first. No. Not the first. Okay. But, it was uh, 75. Yeah. The first yeah. time. But I mean, we were living in studios. You know, my dad used to take us to the studio. I remember when I was a little kid, we'd go in the studio, and um, you know, I learned a lot and it kind of absorbed it all. Uh, so it's it's pretty much all we know. And Scotty Moore and a few of the Elvis cats actually played on this record. Is yeah, that well, correct? He, he had a, a friend, uh, Paul Dragon, who hired Elvis's band to play for him. And he went and sang with Elvis's band all Elvis songs. My dad was really good friends with him. And my dad wound up using some of those tracks as well uh, on this album with Scotty, Bill Black. You know, so it was pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll tell you guys, before we dive in, um, Perry, I mean, just want to give you a warm welcome to, uh, to Striper. I think we right here. Right I think here. we speak for certainly the majority of, you know, those in the fan population and the media when we say, you know, there was a lot of excitement when, uh, when, when the, the word was out that you were joining the band. And obviously your time with Firehouse is, is very well known, but I know the last handful of years you've been out there on the country circuit. What's, what's, it, yeah. what's, it, what's it feel like to maybe toss your hair around a little bit more these days with Striper? <laughs> I'm, I'm back where I need to be. Uh, I mean, I loved country music when uh, I was in Firehouse. That's like about all I listened to. Was, uh, 
Yeah, so I decided to move to Nashville and give that a shot, and uh, did that for what sixteen years, I think. Wow! So played with Craig Morgan and Trace Atkins, and uh, a little you know, success. It was <laughs> it was good, but it wasn't like being in a band. It wasn't a family, man. It was just like a hired gun feeling, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, this is this is just amazing. I mean, I was a Huge Striper fan from '85. We got to open for them. The band CJ and I were in at the time for Max Warrior. We got to open for them in Charlotte. Very cool. Yeah, and, I think uh, I saw a picture of yeah. that. Is there a picture? He's posted guys? a few yeah. pictures. Yeah. 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 And if you would have known that, incredible. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. incredible. It, it's it, life has a way of like uh, working itself out, you know, and it takes you down these paths, and and you you kind of live and learn from it, you know. But if we had known then, as you said, that this guy would be in our band, you know, 30 some odd years yeah, later, yourself. I think we would have like called him in a room back then and said, why don't you join now? You know, <laughs> um, it, it would have been pretty cool, but it didn't work out that way. Sure. It worked out this way yeah. and we're blessed to have him. And here he is, you know, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, you, you, you guys are one of the, the hardest working and prolific artists that's out, out there today, certainly from, from your genre. I mean, you, you, from afar, you almost seem to operate with, with a sense of urgency, Michael, in, in your projects. I mean, these days, you know, you're writing, producing, and releasing some of the best music of yours in the band's career. I mean, is this conscious on your part, or are the creative juices really just flowing during this, this, this part of your career? Well, it's twofold. I'll make it real quick. Um, I, um, I feel like time on Earth is, is so precious, and nobody knows when they're going to go. So, you know, I could go tomorrow. Hopefully not, but I could. So I've got all this time, and I'm sitting at home, and I've got a month. Why do I want to just sit there and watch TV and eat potato chips, you know? I want to go do something. I want to do something valuable. And to me, my value and what God's given me um, is to make music. So I want to take advantage of all those, all the time I have to make it, I take it. Well, if, if I got a week, I'll go track a song. If I got a month, I'll go track an album. If I got, you know, and then we go tour and whatnot. So I'm just trying to fit in as much as I can until I'm gone, you know. And maybe, who knows how many more albums? Maybe I always tease about ten more solo and ten more striper. I think it'd be more than that. Yeah. Why not? Well, one of the things I think is most impressive, I personally think the three best striper albums are the last three. Uh, and I started listening to Hell with the Devil. You guys have gotten heavier. Yeah, in the last couple of years, yeah. um, and I mean, the twin guitar attack is just it's, it's so good. good. And one of the g- great things about Striper is before we first of all, your voice one of the greatest voices of all time, and it's instantly recognizable. But you haven't heard this tour yet. <laughs> <laughs> but your guys' sound, the tone, the twin guitar attack, the drumming, everything. What what has what has caused you guys to go into the heavier direction in the last three albums? Uh, for me, just I, I feel like you know after hearing all the fans over years saying, "Hey man, get a little heavier, a little heavier, a little heavier," it kind of sunk in. And then when you go back and listen to our old albums, you realize we did heavy back then too. We did poppy stuff, but we also did real heavy stuff. And it's nice to get back to that, you know, get back to our roots. We're really a metal band. We were raised on metal bands. Um, so we're not changing who we are. Um, but I do also feel that <clears throat> next album, we need to throw in a little bit more of our poppy side too. You know, a few more songs like The Calling On You's and uh, people want to hear that stuff as well. 
So it's a fine line, but we're always going to be striper and stay true to our sound. You know, you talk too about the the writing though. How, what else are you going to do? But the thing is, I don't think you get enough credit. Most people don't have that. They don't have that gift. You know, they can't put it out. They can't put put out that much that much music. Most of the artists that we listen to these days. Yeah. That's why it takes them six albums or six well, years to put out an album. Yeah, I always get blown away when people talk in interviews about. Yeah, man, we've got forty songs. We're going to write ten more. And we're going to pick 10 songs out of 50. I'm like, and, and my first thought is, what a waste of energy. Such a waste. It's like, if you don't know you have 10 songs, <laughs> then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, is it good or is it not good? If there's something you're working on that you don't feel, put it on a shelf, you know, and, and, and replace it with something. But that's how I approach things. It's just like, if I don't feel it, I, I, I move on. Yeah. You know, I don't sit there and come up with 50 songs. And then pick from those. That's just, man, put all that energy into the real recording. And that's, I don't like to do demos. Demos are a waste. That's interesting. Total, total waste of energy. How many times have you done a demo and you like the demo better than the math, than the origi- than the, uh, the final product? Mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. You're putting all that energy into the demo and you lose it most of the time on the real deal. It's hmm. interesting. Uh, yeah, I've never heard anybody say that before. Well, it's that's true. cool. It's true. Yeah. Oz, I've read some some great stories about your earlier and maybe a bit rowdier days early on when you first hooked up with with Michael and Robert. I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of mind-boggling how long you've been playing in bands with with uh, with these guys. I mean, how does that how's that natural camaraderie and chemistry translate into the stage show each and every evening? Well, just <coughs> a bunch of guys that you got a history with, and you know, just kind of there and make music and count and listen concentrate it's kind of what we do yeah I don't I don't know years of, of just us being together and working together working with working with uh, Michael on harmonies and you know guitar solo sure. and so harmonies you know whatever whatever it takes it's just we've kind of gotten into this like routine I guess you could say yeah, like riding a bike. Yeah. Just, it, it's like we're, we become one, you know? Yeah, so we kind of already kind of know each other's yeah. feelings and yeah. how you know they like to do stuff or how they like to not do stuff, whatever. Yeah. And, and then we just work it, you sure. know? I mean, there has to be a certain amount of, I want to say, uh, maturity that comes with this so that you can work together. And that's the problem with most bands is they can't work together because yeah. they don't have that maturity. So, you know, for us, we're just, we're here, we're happy to be here, we're blessed. I'm happy to be here, I'm happy to have work, and it's great to be able to, you know, make the fans happy. Sure. So, sure. that's well, great. Well, guys, with this being the history tour, um, we'd love to take a few minutes and, and dial the clock back and perhaps step through with you kind of the... The chronological progression of the band across the years, maybe okay. maybe referencing some of the studio studio albums as we move through, and would love to uh, to get your take on the albums. If there's any fun facts or any maybe sure. lesser known stories or some of your favorite moments, uh, just somewhat open ended to uh, to kind of just talk through the uh, the band's career. I mean, we've okay. got the six song EP right that uh, that started it all. Yes. Obviously, the Yellow and Black Attack. Let me look at this. Let's see here. This is this is the six song. Okay. Good. This is my favorite of the two. Uh, this is the one that uh, you know was really raw and um, 
there are things about that I don't like, but the fact that it was very raw, not overproduced and overmixed, I like this one the best. Yeah. The, the re-release, I don't know if you have that That's in, in there. there somewhere. I, I can't listen to that. I just, it's, it's all reverbed out and I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like how that one turned out, but this one, this one's cool, man. Yeah. Is it true that Enigma Records wanted to release the original Rock's Regime demo effectively as opposed to recording for this? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, they had it. That's and, what uh, I recall. Yeah. I recall them coming in wanting to, yeah. to uh, release the demo, and then somehow uh, we got money from Darren, and she... Yeah, and we wound up, we wound up going in and, and paying for this ourselves, basically, from an investment. And we were able to fund it and make it happen. Very cool. Uh, and here it is, man. Yeah, that's the, that's the one that started it all. Crazy. Can you, can you dial back the clock in your minds and remember 1983, 84? Does it seem like oh, 50 yeah. lifetimes ago? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. We're, yeah. We're, we're 55, not 85, man. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at the time, y'all were getting ready to put this out, Robert. You guys were on the strip with, like, Rat and Motley Crue and, and all those guys at the same time. Oh, yeah. Saw them all, you know. I remember picking Nikki Six up off the street one time. Thank me for it later on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw so many of the bands that would later on become really, really, really huge. You know, we got the honor of getting to play with them and watch it happen. It's a real special time. Hey, guys, out of curiosity, before we even go forward with the album, is that something that's always I've kind of wondered at when you were getting pursued by labels? Was there ever, were there ever any labels that wanted to sign you with the one, the one obstacle they had was lose the Christian message? Well, that was one thing preventing for signing. Not, not other labels, but when we signed with Enigma, they did have a problem with lyrics. Once we submitted the lyrics and they read everything, they had a problem with it, and they were they were worried about it. Mm -hmm. On uh, oh wait a minute, wow, okay, uh, we're not sure how to move forward with it and if we can sell this and we can you know they were skeptical uh, but we were absolutely not at all even considering changing the lyrics you know we had already done that made right. a commitment and we were on we were stuck on that we were, that's the way it was going to happen uh, and they moved forward with us thank God and, and it was a big success and they were very happy because they were about they weren't a Christian label not at all <laughs> no and we were a Christian you know Christian band who had a Christian message and uh, so it worked out man and I think once they saw they released the yellow and black attack and it really took off in like three four week period it did like over 150,000 units oh, wow. for a local band we had lines around the blocks they were turning people away it was like this big explosive scene with us once they saw that it was like okay we're not going to have any problems here and they didn't you know and you know God bless the Hind brothers I mean they really believed in us. Yeah. And they were the Multiple one times. label back then who really yeah, said, Bill okay, you know what, well, we, we may not totally understand. I mean, when I first walked into Enigma Records by myself, they were having a birthday party to Aleister Crowley. Wow. Yeah, I, wow. Saw, I saw that myself. <laughs> I was with you, Rob. Okay, but there was another time I went in all by myself, and I ended up handing a tape to one of them with Come On Rock on it. And uh, I was with you. I, I talk about that in my book. I was there. I remember they had all the candles going. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's and, crazy. Uh, yeah. And I, I told Wes Hine, I said, look, you're going to want to sign us and we'll leave this with you. 
And I he, think it was more of a joke. They were kind of like, yeah. I, I don't know if they were like yeah. seriously. Well, I'm just saying that's what I saw when I walked yeah. in. Well, that's it was right there. Yeah, it was definitely so, odd. But you know what? God bless those guys. They yeah. saw us as you know, okay, good band, and, great and we'll stand behind you, and you do what you do, and. And they made it happen. Oh, yeah, wow. they did. They you bring up a great happen. point. I mean, multiple times throughout your career. Am I, am I mistaken in thinking that Westheim was associated with Hollywood Records he as was. well? He wound up, uh, Enigma closed their doors, and that was during the Against the Law period. And then we wound up going over to uh, Hollywood Records, because Wes went to Hollywood. And uh, he kind of talked everyone there into bringing us on. Nobody really wanted us there. Wes did. Another guy named Peter Paterno, who ran the company. Uh, he he wanted us there too, so we wound up going there, and our catalog is still there. They still own our catalog. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, and and they really haven't done much for the band. You know, uh, they haven't done anything for the band to be honest. Mickey apparently isn't a, a Striper fan. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but um, I guess it is Hollywood Disney. Isn't it, it is Hollywood <laughs> Disney. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, Wes has always been an advocate and always been in our corner. Always. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Soldiers Under Command. Oh, Robert, yes. what do you remember about Soldiers Under Command? You know, 1985, <clears throat> next year is the 35th anniversary of this Crazy. album. Yeah. Well, you know, we worked real hard to get these songs down, so we were pretty prepared for this one. I remember sitting in a warehouse all by myself with the drums set up at the TV monitor with the guys across the street and hitting those drums and just hearing it shake. But it was kind of an eerie feeling being in a warehouse all alone, you know, across yeah, that's the street. Weird. Yeah, but that's did all weird. the drums and eight hours for this record. And, One day. Uh, yeah. Done yeah. and dusted. Well, th wow. these were songs we were used to, you know. Oz did the guitar solos in five minutes. I did the vocals <laughs> in two minutes. Just, it was pretty quick. How long it right. took to play it. Oh. <laughs> But you One take. It really was. It really was super quick because yeah. we we had been playing the songs out live for like a year, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we were ready. We went in ready. And I remember the producer, Michael Wagner, like, he, he just laughing all the time after every take. And he's like, nothing to say about that. It was like, perfect, you know. And <laughs> he didn't really have to do anything in terms of arranging or songs, just making it sound good. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, of, real fun time. speaking of Michael, we Chris and I have met him a time or two. Yeah. Uh, super nice guy. Yeah. And, I mean, he had the Midas touch. Oh, yeah. It's like everything he he touched. He was the, the guy. He was the dude that everyone wanted to work with, and he did so many albums and worked with so many people. And uh, during the 80s, he was if you wanted a metal producer, that was the guy. Period. Man, so that, that title track. <laughs> man, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, the next album is the one that took you guys, strapped the rocket to you, and just went straight yep. up. Yeah. To hell with the double. Yeah. That's the one, man. This is, this is the album that um, we wound up looking for a producer and talking to a number of guys. And... Um, you know, we, we wound up going with a guy named Stefan Gelfast, who co-produced this, and we based that on, uh, he had supposedly worked and done the song Missing You by John Waite. So everybody thought, oh, wow, that's a huge deal. You know, let's incorporate some of that into this. And it wound up being interesting, you know, working with him. Uh, a, a lot of weird things came from it, but a lot of great things came from it. We got a killer album, and uh, it sounded great. It was cutting edge. We did some different things. We were one of the first bands to track digital, uh, a metal album, digital, on a Mitsubishi uh, 32 machine uh, at Master Control. And because of that, I think it, 
it brought in something different about it. It was a little more slick and glued together, but there's a rawness to it as well. So, and then the title, Robert came up with the title. And obviously that was really not controversial at very all. Very controversial. <laughs> Made people go, what? Yep. And uh, and then the, the imagery made people go, what? We actually had to change this cover for Christian bookstores because yeah. of that one thing right there. That's what I was going to ask you is why. Because I know probably, Kate probably already knows the story on that, but I didn't know as far as the changing cover. Yeah. They saw it and freaked out because there was a pentagram on it. But if you look, it's being ripped from the devil's neck. There's a chain, yeah. you know. And they just thought we stuck a pentagram on there and we were evil. So they said, we're not going to carry it. So we changed it to the black cover with the red uh, font. Yeah, and I uh, went to the artist's house. I told them what I what I thought would be good and was working with the artist. And I sure wish I had that artwork. It was like on a six-foot-wide piece of art that to this day... The original. Oh, man, I wish I oh, had wow, it sure. my yeah. living room. No idea where it is. No. Yeah. And then we wound up banning it ourselves, too, because... When we had our shirts off in real life, we were much more muscular. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They didn't get that right. I mean, Oz, was there a moment on this To Hell with the Devil tour where, you know, I mean, you guys just, just, just peaked. And, you know, I know sometimes probably when you're in the machine, it's hard to look from the outside and actually see the progression. Yeah, was really, there a I moment mean, when you guys realized, wow, this is, this is different, guys? Well, I mean, you know, as soon as... As soon as we came, I mean, even with the uh, the, uh, the first album when we went out and started, there was a frenzy going on with the first album. People never heard of us or didn't even think this was possible to have Christian lyrics with metal, you know, music. And it turned into this phenomenon for everybody. And the first album came out, was, the second one came out, it grew. Then To Hell With The Devil came out, and obviously that's where things took off because it obviously the quality yeah. was way up we had gone above and beyond timing somehow. too like the timing right. 86 timing right. there was yeah. this Perfect. explosive like just we, it, right place right time right we, out we had we had the videos that killed yep yeah you know those videos are still out there and Wayne. still look great yeah um, the, uh, Wayne Isham, yeah, yeah. was working yeah. on those. Awesome. So, so there's like it was all just a huge thing that kept growing, like exploding, yeah. Yeah. And from one explosion to another, like a volcano. Yeah. You know, yeah. and next thing you know, here we were. And it was also the about the time there was the satanic paranoia uh, going around. I know I, I, I'm a, we're all three believers, and I was raised in a Christian home, and my mother used to kind of give me a hard time about some of my music, and I brought that and I'm like take yeah. that you know <laughs> it was powerful you mentioned earlier not to get off subject before we move on to that about the new albums the three albums mm -hmm. you had said something to the effect of basically you think they're as good right I think I think they're your three best well I've gone on record saying and I stand by it man I really do we'll never know because we can't get in the time machine but I think if those albums had been released at that time okay no more hell to pay it came out instead of soldiers Fallen came out instead of To Hell, and Goddamn Evil came out instead of In God We Trust. This is my opinion. During that time, I think they would have been bigger. I think they would have done better. I, I agree. And, you know, we'll never know that. I can talk all I want about it, but those not to take anything away from those albums. Those albums are special, and they did their thing. They made their mark. But I just believe that this new stuff is as good or even better. Sure. Well, what's it would have been even. What's impressive too when you talk about that is we, you know, we, we listen to we we're big music guys. Yeah. I mean, huge, 
and we listen to a lot of these bands from back in the 80s they put out new product and it doesn't it's just not as good it's always yeah. a letdown always I, a letdown it feels forced it feels I generic know. I know and I, I hate that but you guys are the, like the one band that seems to get it right we've talked about LA Guns is doing a very good job absolutely yeah. um, they are I think the last they Wasp are. record was excellent that yeah. they put out Rat put out a great album a few years back I forget what it was Infestation, called Infestation that was great it was that was like okay and, and it, it seems to be difficult but most can't do for it. bands that stay consistent with that and, and continue doing that. And I don't know what it is. I, I'm not sure. I can't. T I don't have the answer to that. But it is true. I agree with you a million percent. So after "To Hell with the Devil," you go into the studio with "In God We Trust." I got to think the record label is just dumping money till you do what you oh, need yeah. to do. Oh yeah. I can't imagine the pressure as well to follow up to hell with the devil. Yeah. I mean, that must have just been a lot surreal. of pressure. A lot of pressure. And the pressure coming from not just having to follow it up, but coming from being tired and worn out because we're touring nonstop and got to go do another album. And it's like, oh, man, you know. And, and really, because of that pressure, this album was really a carbon copy of to hell, just more slick. But it, if you listen to the flow of it, it's a very similar album. You talked about in your book, actually. So yeah. It's almost as if I printed out the songs that were on "To Hell with the Devil" and kind said, "All right, where's? Let me write their, let me write their brother song or sister pretty song." Pretty much. <laughs> like it's up to you, a sing-along song. You know, I believe in you as honestly. You know, uh, but it still had uh, its its own unique thing. Mm -hmm. And and believe it or not, there's a lot of fans that would argue that this is our best album. I wouldn't, but a lot of a lot of people really like that album. I saw you guys on this tour in Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. in uh, January of 89. Yeah. Jet Boy was, was oh, the yeah. opener. <laughs> yep. And I was heartbroken because White Lion was, was one of my favorite bands as a kid. Oh, yeah. And they fell on or off the tour just a few months before I saw them because I believe okay. White Lion played with you as well on this we tour. We did a tour with right? White Lion, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Climbing up that incredible. pole to get on that drum set was yeah. amazing. <sighs> Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and you're, you're, you're uh, to this day. I mean, I think most people probably have not seen a kit like you had on that "In God We Trust" tour. I mean, was it effectively two massive kits put together? Two kits Robert? put together, so I could spin around and play the verse on the front one, turn around, play the chorus on the back one. Well, you so. know what I'm doing on the next tour? <laughs> I'm going to have three amp setups. <laughs> So you can spin a pyramid of three. <laughs> it was so much fun, man. Guitar, on that, on that back, kit. It was just a 12 by 12, you know, space of just awesomeness. Yeah. yeah I really enjoyed it. And since we're talking about your, your kid, I know we're, we were going to intend to get to this one later, but this is a perfect segue. I know you probably get to ask this a thousand times. What's the reason for playing Sideways? I just did it for the fun of it. You know, I, I saw a lot of drummers just kind of hid behind their kit, you know, and no one really noticing them. And I just, I just wanted to do something different. And I thought, you know, I'm going to spin it sideways. And so when you and do play forward, because we see that sometimes, is it because the, the riser doesn't fit well, play side? Well, a lot of times for me, if you turn it sideways, you need a bigger kit. If, if, you, if we're doing fly dates and it's a smaller kit, it's not mine, and you turn it sideways, it kind of looks silly. Okay. That, so that's what started me facing frontwards. And then to, you know, do it a few times. You know how I would do that? I Basically, one tour, if I, if I was a drummer, if I had gut, forward. If I was slim, sideways. Right? <laughs> How about yeah. your back? First time I did that was 1979. Cool, <laughs> Is that right? First time at Hollywood. Was anyone doing it? 
Not that I remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember people asking me back then, wow, why, why are you turning sideways? I just, I just always tried to think in that way, you know. Um, I, I wanted, number one, people to remember the music, but I also wanted them to walk away and go, I remember seeing this, because I think that's important, you know. The more you can remember, the better, so. All right, so we're, we want to be respectful of your time, so we're going to speed up the album yeah, thing yeah, real no quick. Um, against the Law, real quick, kind of. Uh, I've been very, very upfront about that. You, I think everyone knows my opinion about it. I think it's a great album. Obviously, Tom Worman, brilliant producer. Uh, it's produced really incredible. Uh, it's my probably my least favorite album, not musically speaking, but for a number of other reasons. I feel like we changed too much who we were. And because of that, we kind of lost sight of who we are and who we were. And that goes from the yellow and black to the message to the presentation to the sound to kind of everything. We kind of became a different band, good or bad. But we weren't, we weren't Striper on this. How conscious. Uh, I, ha- I have to say, add to that, the record company told us they wanted something different. I remember that. Oh yeah. So I was going to ask so you how. When they because I recall, just saying. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I recall them saying that <clears throat> because of that situation with Devil, Devil, and In God We Trust, they wanted to change the I, the whole thing and make it sound. Yeah, I mean, it, more but, rocky. But still, we That's didn't what have I thought to, had happened. We didn't have okay. to do it though. We never. We never caved to the label before ever so I just feel like we changed too much in hindsight looking back that's my opinion and it's our it's our least selling album to date so I think probably some people might agree with me on that not all but some I will say though it may not be I mean, I'll put it as my favorite of your records, but for me personally, Lady is yeah. probably my favorite ballad oh, yeah, that you no, did. Dude, and I can tell you, All for One is one of my top That's my favorite song, song on I mean, there. It's just, and it sounds so classic. Yeah, that's it, that's it, why it's one of my favorites, because that song has, out of everything, the most striper classic sound. Could have been on The Hell with the Devil, Oh, yeah, opinion. easily. Yeah. Yep. How, how thoughtful, I mean, you just touched on it, Oz, but one of the questions, and I've always wondered this, was just how thoughtful or... You know, strategic was it on, on on your part? The decision around the image shift was that a quick and natural decision for you guys, or was yeah. that kind of a belabored, you know, yeah. process? You, you answer that, Oz, and then I'll add a little comment. Well, I mean, <clears throat> we had a guy that created costumes for us, and we had to go through a whole change colors. Every guy had his own color. You know, we had to breathe you know, kind of redesign the whole band at that point. We had different costumes, we had different attitudes, we were wearing more beards, like we're doing now. <laughs> That's the nail on the head, the attitudes. It, yeah. Our attitudes weren't in a good place then, at all. We started bringing booze in the rehearsals and drinking and more drinking and more drinking and parties at the house and this and that. And we started like going down a different path. And a lot of that went into that album. During that album, we were, we were getting hammered. Making it. We had never done we were, that before. We were partying. Yeah. We were going crazy because we had spent so much time just walking on eggshells yeah. yeah. around the, our people that were around us that were like, you guys need to do this, you need to do 
right. you can't, you know, you can't, you can't go down that, you know, that path or this path or whatever. And yeah. so for us, it was very frustrating. We started like saying, you know, let's have a beer. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. relax in a little more. Yeah. I don't need to be like that. It happens easily. And, and it, our relationship but we went, suffered. We went way too far. I remember hearing Robert that. say in an interview, you know, yeah. he kind of equated it to being put put in a box. And you guys just felt like you were, you know, effectively in a in a box for so many years yeah. and your own tour and it's Sunday and people expect you to be in church that morning. Well, you're on the road trying but to get still, to the next, it, you know, it's still just, at the end of the day, it's up to us to rise above that, yeah. you know, and we didn't. Yeah. So some of that dynamic, Michael, you mentioned in your book, uh, some of the dynamic that you guys just talked through during the Against the Law time. I mean, it seems like uh, that 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 was at least a factor in your decision to oh, yeah. maybe step outside of Striper. For, oh yeah, for a while. yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt I was dealing with a lot of stuff in my life, and I needed to get it right. I wanted to clean up my life. I wanted to clean up my marriage, clean up my family, do everything I needed to do to put my priorities in place. Although the band is a priority, it's not my number one priority, nor should it be. Um, and at that time, I just had to step out, man. I didn't have a choice. I wrestled with that for a long time long time but I finally made a decision and when I did it was like this weight that was lifted and my marriage improved I got to spend time with my kids then after a year year and a half of that I started writing again kind of thinking about music again and my heart was in a much better place heart and mind you know in my life so I'm, I had no regret about that at all well, let's let's so let's let's move ahead to um, your the cover the cover album the covering real quick. Um, your version of "Carry On, My Wayward Son" that's my favorite. <laughs> it's better than the original. Oh, thank um, you! Really? Absolutely love it. Wow. What went into picking all of these songs exactly? Um, and we don't. This is the only one we don't have on vinyl. So <laughs> I don't think he pressed it on vinyl actually. Gosh, might you know, be right. That's a trivia question. You might be right. <laughs> wow. What it went into that, it, it, like every album, usually it's like me making a list, you know, and checking it twice and sending it to these guys and going, what do you think? And they're like, well, what about this or what about that? And they got to rewrite the list and send it back. Yeah, that looks good. I mean, that's pretty much what it was for that. We just picked some songs and bands that we all listened to, songs that we all felt like, yeah, we could do this, and we did it. You, it was you, pick, you pick some some heavyweights. Yeah, uh, it was it was that's probably my favorite covers album I've oh, ever good. bought. I just absolutely love it. Play it good. all the time. You'll also notice Heaven and Hell is incredible. There's it's not my really cover on album. There's not really any. It's 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 pretty much all classic rock, right? The whole album. There's pretty no much. new stuff. So you, no. Yeah, it's no. stuff from bands that we grew up listening to and we love. Only song God is an original. Right. That's right. Now I'm excited to hopefully have a chance to hear some of those tonight. Well, we're not, doing some. Really. We're doing a few. And uh, not doing as many covers as we were four weeks ago. We're doing like five covers, I think. Six covers. Okay. So you'll hear some, for sure. And, so, and take it to the cross tonight, too, maybe. Right? What do you think, Rob? It's up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the set list isn't finalized yet. Not yet. <laughs> and then let's, let's, let's keep progressing. Let's go into No More Hell to Pay. Before we do, just quickly, I'll tell you, second coming... We'll just quickly touch on it. I, it from a fan's perspective, uh, th this was almost a gift because it was incredible to be able to hear. Uh, it, 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 this felt almost like a raw, live-type album to me. And the coolest thing I thought about this album was the ability to hear some of the songs from Yellow and Black Attack right. and, and To Hell with the Devil. Yeah. 
with with kind of the tone yeah. in your current voice, right? Because yeah. your vo your voice is a bit different. It's, it's totally different. Than, than, than it's lower. It's grittier. Totally different. Yeah. Especially the yellow and black songs. Those are yes. Those turn out great. On yes, that. I love it. Yeah. Really good, man. Such the drumming is, is just killer oh, on this album. Thank you. All right, so no more hell to pay. That leads us to no more hell to pay. Just okay. a, a masterpiece. Nice. Um, Great wear, cover I, too. Wear this one out all the time. Nice. Kind of what what went into that? Just quick memories of. Well, I mean, it, it was it was a lot of thinking on the past. So listening, literally, I went back and listened to our old albums uh, for weeks. Soldiers Under Command, Tell with the Devil, and I really tried hard in the writing to get back to that. You know, more of that structure and more of that style that people had been saying they wanted to hear without compromising and selling ourselves out and doing an album that was so different that we're going, ah, this doesn't feel like us. So that's a perfect compromise. You know, it's got the past and it's got the present. A little bit of a modern flair to it and, and certainly the classic flair to it. I love this album, man. I, I, I think that's probably, it seems to be, from what I see online, the fans' favorite of the past three. This one kind of wins. Yeah. Everyone always talks about this album. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I will argue hands down with anyone that of any Striper album, you know, Soldiers is probably it for me, mm -hmm. but of any Striper album, I think the intro of Revelation and No More Hell to Pay, that combo, yeah. I think is the best intro and two two song, two combination punch of any Striper That's album. It's just amazing opening to Killer. this album. And then Jesus is just all right. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that That's actually, the Doobie Brothers, they're actually doing a cover of that when they perform it, right? They're doing a cover of it. Yeah, okay. Yep. That's what I thought. Who, who did that originally? It was the Doobie Brothers. Was it the Doobie Brothers? Oh, I, I, thought I, thought I don't they, know. I've never heard. I think they are doing a cover. I yeah. Right. All right. So you guys put out No More Hell to Pay and quickly on the heels of that, yep. come out with Fallen. Uh, Yahweh, opening song. Yeah. Man, that is killer. The the vocals the vocals on that are just amazing. It's Everything on that song yeah. is amazing. It's I a mean. choir. It's a choir. Yeah, it's one of, one of my favorite modern Striper songs. Maybe my favorite. Yahweh. Well, Oz, we fully expect you guys to recreate that. Tonight. <laughs> oh, it happened. It just, yeah. it happened. Oh, we'll recreate it. All right, it's called <laughs> Hit the Sample. Boom. Uh, well, don't so, tell Eddie Trump. Yeah, don't <laughs> tell Eddie Trump. <laughs> Whatever. It's like I get so I get so frustrated with that all that controversy. It's like if people only knew how many bands use tracks on a few songs or whatever, they'd be they'd be shocked because most bands do. And I think it's okay. Well, if you're playing live if with you, it. If, you, if you're playing live with it and if you're doing it to pull off something that you can't pull off live, like Queen did with Bohemian Rhapsody back in the 70s. They had a reel-to-reel -reel going, you know, because they couldn't pull that off live. And I just don't get when people get so freaked out. Now, if someone's going up there and completely Millie Vanilli in it, I, I can see the problem with that, you know. All right, so the last album, easily the most controversial title you've ever had for one. Um, goddamn evil, and my pastor's listening. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Robert, I'm going to say one quick thing, and then you came up with the title, so you you say something. But real quick, my take on that is um, people get caught up in the words instead of the meaning behind it. God and damn and evil are just words. Right. You That's know, all it is. Yeah, I actually grew up hating that word. Okay, and then I've had this thing where I'll be asleep and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and there'll be a title or an idea and I'll write it down and I'll forget about it. 
and Michael had called me and he said, hey, what was that title that you came up with a while ago? And I'm thinking, what was that? And I'm like, I remember what it was. But the idea behind it, even though I hated that word, that wasn't what we were saying. Right, we wanted exactly. God to damn the wickedness and the evilness in this world. I can't stand evil. I hate it. You know, I just, every time I, I see something bad in this world, I just cringe and I go, what would this place be if people really took to heart the message of Jesus? And that's what we were trying to say out of it. But I understand maybe how people I just forgot to use a comma. That was the only problem. <laughs> well, it, it was said. controversial. So. If you just used a comma, yeah. and you know that wouldn't have resolved it. Did you, did uh, you, listen, guys, Perry has a college degree. He knows. Yes, he knows punctuation, know he knows. okay? That's right. He does know. <laughs> How much pushback did you get over the title? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm insane. Insane. People were, like, saying, I'm not following any, anymore. I'm done with you guys. This was a straw that broke the camel's back, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow. Explaining it, putting the lyrics up. It's like, it doesn't matter. This is 2019, man. I, real quick, I heard you on it. I think it was Chris Jericho's podcast talking about how when you guys started out, you had people of faith followed you around, protested, yeah. and they never listened to your lyrics. Right. Um, personally, as a believer, you guys have actually helped me with my faith a great deal. Good. And I love, awesome. I love the way that you all present yourself as Christians. None of us are perfect. Nope. And tell me real quick how frustrating that had to have been when you're out amongst the people yeah. and you're not holed up in a church, kind of in a silo, of, yeah. you know, echo chamber. It's frustrating when people don't understand your heart. You know, your heart is saying one thing and they're hearing another and it's like, it, that gets real frustrating. That's what happened to Jesus. Yeah. And as humans, you know, mm -hmm. it starts to kind of take take seed and it take root and you, you, you start to say to yourself, Okay, and, and you can you can become weak and let it get the best of you. We try not to, but man, it's hard. Well, so that was the last album. I know you've got a solo album coming out, and you guys have a documentary, correct? Working on a documentary, and we're gonna start working on a new Striper album uh, coming up at the end of the year. Start recording at the beginning of next year. Really excited about that, and we have the title already. If you guys want to know what it is, sure. It's called F the Devil. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think it's going to get some more fans mad. Fire the devil. Fire the devil. I saw a Twitter comment, actually, and to your question mark. You posted a big question mark, Michael. And one of the comments was, Robert wants to name the new Striper album, F the Devil. And I laughed because you've never come up with a controversial title, have you? He's joking. I didn't come up with that. I have another idea, but I don't want to say what it is right now. So it would be more of a surprise. You have a few controversial titles in your... Your arsenal over there. I, I over do. The I do. It's just <laughs> picking the right time. Yeah. It's just your, your fan, the fan base, though, because I've read all the case talking about on social media. Man, they are, some of them are. Yeah, they I've get banned, pretty I've serious. I've a lot of fans over the past few years. I don't get it. I mean, it's almost like. Oh, yeah. The dude. only thing that's important dude, to me is the I Christian. Got I got a comment on Facebook, like, either last night or the night before from a guy. Because somebody posted a picture of me licking my strings on stage. Yeah. I, I do something with my tongue where I make harmonics, okay? And some guy gets on and he goes, that's not the right way to play guitar, Oz. You need to 
play it a godly way. Man. <laughs> that's un- We've that's- heard that stuff from the beginning. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. Not all the way back. You know? It's like they care more about wow. just making sure you toe the line of being a Christian than even caring about the music. Of course. But the things they're talking about have nothing to do with Christianity. And you guys know, you've been on my Facebook, right? I go and set them straight, you know. Yeah. And uh, every day. I, it's just who I am. I, I can't be any other way. Well, you have to but, defend but yourself. You know, as, as a twist around, yes, there's been a lot of people that have freaky thoughts and, and won't listen to our lyrics and put us down. But we also have the other flip side right. of the coin oh, yeah. of Christian people that are wonderful. Much churches more. that are wonderful. The majority. That understand oh, yeah. what we're doing yes. and are behind us and pray for us. And thank God for those people. No they are amazing. And that's part of the reason we're still exactly. Yeah. You, you guys have always taken the right stance. I've heard you say it so many times throughout your career where, you know, you, you, you consciously, you recognize vocally like you just did that. We're not going to let the few right. ruin it for the many yeah. that yeah. are there supporting us yes, and that true. get it. And, you know, there's always going to no be doubt. negative tones and negative connotations sure, out there with some people. And yeah. yeah, Let's talk about quickly what's in the immediate hopper. Your 10th solo album is about to come out. It is. It's you coming do. out in September, it, called 10. And uh, that's exciting. There's a lot of different player on every song. It's going to be pretty cool. It's a guitar fest uh, for sure. And um, we're working on the documentary. You know, we're, we're looking for the right team right now to do it and to finish it. That'll be in the works for the next few years. And then a new album. When we get home and take the holidays off, we'll start on a new album with Perry. First album with Perry. It's going to be awesome. Uh, hopefully we'll outdo what we've done. That's the goal. And um, we're touring throughout the year. Going to South America. I've got a lot of stuff planned. And we're going to keep touring and making music, man. What about the, uh, I heard on Trump Nation, um, he was, Eddie Trunk was talking to Tracy, Tracy Guns. Yeah. What about that project you're working on? I am. When I get home, I'm singing on a project called Sun Bomb. It's, it's I think, Tracy's solo album. And it's he's called it Sun Bomb. And he's got a few other people on it. And I'm singing all the songs. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's going to be exciting, man. It's a real, like, uh, Sabbath-y kind of kind of sound to it that's cool real he, dark and heavy he did say he did say that uh they asked eddie asked if they were going to tour it and he said I, i'd like to he said i'd like to tour it as a trio i'd like to see if michael would play bass i'm thinking i used to play bass when i was a little kid <laughs> yeah. so i'm sure i could i could play bass yeah, it, but, it would be like a, it would be like a, a duff uh, mckeegan kind of bass playing but <laughs> that'd be an interesting visual but you don't <laughs> yeah i mean i, I don't uh, the the skills are too good i think to well, I'd get in some like in there, you know. <laughs> well, Michael, as we wrap this up, I have one more question for you, and then we're going to do a quick rapid fire. Yeah. We, want, we want to get you guys out okay. for sound check. Um, you have seen to have really embraced podcasting. I have heard you on so many. Like yeah. I said, Jericho's, yeah. Eddie Trunks. Um, is that a better medium, you think, than just going to a radio station? Because when people like, if people listen to our podcast, they're music fans. Right. And so you've got a target rich audience. Just real quick about yeah. how you've embraced it. I have. I've embraced it. I think it's a, a great way to reach people and really the way to reach people these days. Uh, it's very popular and, and it works. And I've even uh, talked to Dave Mustaine. He, he just started his own podcast and he's trying to get me to start my own. And I may do it. Uh, but I gotta have the time to do it. That's the tricky part. Uh, but I love doing it. I just love going on, and it, it's really cool, man. And in, in in our times, in our society right now, it works. 
Cool, yeah, really great. Right. What radio station oh, would you go to to do an interview? Right, <laughs> I know, man. Who plays our kind of music okay. anymore? All right, All right, so what we're going to do, we have just a few rapid-fire questions. The first thing that comes to your mind, Oz, we'll start with you. What's your favorite album of all time? <clears throat> That's a good question. <laughs> Paranoid. Nice. Black Sabbath. Ooh. Uh... Stay in class, Judas Priest. Whoa. <laughs> nice. Wow. Favorite album of all time? Van Halen one. Ah, oh, man, he took it. Last time when I said the Priest record, I was gonna say the first Van Halen record too. That that was a life changer. Yeah. Alright. Um, we're gonna start with you, Robert. Favorite song. Favorite song. Wow. You know, I don't know if I've ever had one. I just like it all. <laughs> it's got to be a song you always one song. One, one song. song. Right. First thing that pops into your oh, mind. You guys have come to on, push it, come on. I'm gonna push it on other questions. Is it a Michael Jackson guys. song? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, my mind's going blank right now. All right, we're gonna Man, skip. Come on, Lady Gaga, uh, something. You know, nothing. Okay. All right, you, you try, Oz. What favorite song? Yeah. yeah. Okay, favorite song all time. Epic, whatever, blah blah yes. blah. Uh, that I love. Yes. Um, I could probably say, prob probably, Cashmere. Cool. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Man, I, maybe, uh, Rain by Uriah Heep. Ooh, wow. That's a first. Nice. Okay. Mine is, in this moment, in my head, for a number of reasons, Suspicious Minds, baby. <laughs> you know, I'd put that probably in my top three. I really would. Yeah, I've I always said that's one of my favorites. Because right. memories, the feel you get from it, and then we're here at Graceland, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. All right, if you could be in one band other than Striper, what would it be? Oh, man. Well, I've gone on record saying Van Halen, so I'll stick with Van Halen. I think it'd be kind of fun to be in Foo Fighters. We, we've yeah, we've, we've gotten that like five times. <laughs> I, I want to be Angus Young. <laughs> Perry? There's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here. Good answer. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's the best answer. We, 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 right. we told him he needed to say that. <laughs> Michael, let's start with you. I know this one's probably going to be a little bit hard. There's been so many. But your uh, favorite song that you've written? Favorite song that I've written? Yeah. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna pick two: a classic and a new. Okay. Classic. I'm gonna give it to. Uh, uh, oh man. I'm gonna go with first love. Okay. For all sorts of reasons. New. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Yahweh. Stick with Yahweh. It's a good one. Very anything. Favorite song, favorite song you've written that I'm a part of, or your bands, anything. Uh, um, uh, category five was a song called "The Day, the Week, and the Weather." Yeah. And, uh, I like a lot. A great tune. Hmm? You're up. <laughs> I wrote. Yeah, even, even any any, any situation. Yeah, yeah. I really like this song I wrote called "Sacred Blood" on a band called Sin Dizzy. Yeah that I played in. It's 
kind of got a whole thing theme to it yeah. and I really that's one of my favorite ones that I've written so hell with the devil yes alright this is the last one for each one of you in your respective instruments <coughs> who was the biggest influence on you I would say for me, it's probably Elvis and David Lee Roth. Biggest influence? Mm -hmm. As a player. As a player? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, obviously, Eddie Van Halen would be probably the biggest, I would think. But he didn't. But I'll have to say, I started playing guitar because of James Burton, Buck Owens' uh, Open Up Your Heart album. Oh, wow. wow. Also played for Elvis. That's right. Mm. Played for Elvis. So that was a big influence when I was growing mm. up. Perry? I can't answer that. I, maybe my dad, I guess. Um, That's really cool. I never had a... I was never influenced by bass players. I always gravitated to the singer and harmonies and stuff. So I just kind of picked the bass up because he played and there was one in the house. and. I just kind of came up with my own thing. You know, I never really sat down and idolized anybody on bass. Very cool. Uh, and Michael? Michael? Quite a few. My dad, absolutely. A huge influence. Elvis, big influence. And then when I got into guitar playing and whatnot, Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, this was a huge honor for us. Uh, I hope hope we did you did you proud yeah, with the, dude, with the you. interview. You guys did a great job. Yes. Um, thank we you really for your enjoyed time. it. Of Kate, Absolutely. you're the man Appreciate for getting this hooked up. Sure, Everybody sir. follow us on Twitter Thank at Digital Kill, and we'll be you, back with you oh, next week. Nice. Oh, yes. Can we get a quick picture yeah, of y'all? Really I know you guys got to go to the check. Good job, man. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Absolutely.